Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's May 25th, 2023, and that means there's seven months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we're traveling all the way to Iceland to hear the legend of the Yule Lads. We'll also count down the top five Christmas movie quotes, discover a little bonus Christmas in the Pacific Northwest, and we've got the results from the latest round of voting in Merry Music Madness. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome, Yule Believers, to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the podcast all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. I'm your host, comedian and full-time merrymaker, Tim Babb. Speaking of merriness, we're going to get to Merry Music Madness at the end of the show, but I wanted to give a special thank you up front to all of you that have been voting. I come up with these ideas and I'm like, wait, will anyone care? But then you all show up to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and vote, and I really appreciate it. But now, let's kick things off with our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now. We need a little Christmas now. So this is going to be a little different than this segment normally is. This time, I'm going to talk about some unexpected Christmas that came into my life the other day. Recently, I was up in Port Townsend, Washington for the annual Rhododendron Festival. We usually go every year, but this was the first time I've been able to go since the pandemic. The festival lasts multiple days and culminates with a big parade on Saturday. Imagine my surprise and delight when Santa and the Grinch showed up towards the end of the parade. They were there to celebrate the Port Townsend Magic of Christmas Festival. Not only was it very cool to get some Christmas in the parade, but longtime listeners of the show may remember a few years back, we created a made-for-podcast Christmas movie that was a mashup of Die Hard and a Hallmark Christmas movie, and it was called A Bomb for Christmas. Well, that movie was set in the fictional Washington town of Port Caldwell that was inspired by the real town of Port Townsend. There was a big Christmas festival in Port Caldwell that was at the heart of the story, but I completely made that up. I had no idea there was a real Christmas festival in Port Townsend. Now I know there really is a Christmas festival there, and that made my day. If I could make one suggestion, though. My boys were at the parade with me, and they were super into it because it seemed like everybody was throwing candy out to the crowd. In fact, we still have a bag of candy left over from the parade. But the Magic of Christmas section missed a trick by not tossing out those little mini candy canes. So... If you're in the parade next year, Magic of Christmas, maybe consider doing that. Candy, candy, candy. Okay, boys, we got it. Anyway, thanks for a little Christmas now, Port Townsend's Magic of Christmas. 
So how is this a bit of Christmas now for the rest of us? Well, imaginary listener, that kind of sounds like Kermit the Frog. My name is Carl. Like I said, I was doing something different with this segment today. But if you really want to get involved, I put a link to the Port Townsend Magic of Christmas Facebook page in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. They are meeting the second Wednesday of each month to plan this year's festival. Maybe there's still time for you to help out. What if I don't live near Port Townsend? Well, then maybe see if there's a festival in your local area that you can help with. Oh, I should go check. And while he does that, let's move on to our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. I'm a little bummed at the moment because unless something major happened between when I'm recording this and when I finish editing this, the Writers Guild of America is still on strike. And a lot of my favorite shows aren't happening due to the strike. I'm a big fan of late-night TV, and I miss my Seth Meyers, my John Oliver, my Stephen Skolbear. But to be clear, I also support the writers getting a fair deal. Screenwriters have provided so much joy over the years, particularly to us at Christmas. So today, I'd like to count down my top five Christmas movie quotes and give a shout-out to the writers that created them. So let's get it started with... Number five! Love Actually, written by Richard Curtis. If you look for it... I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. Not especially Christmassy, but a lovely sentiment to start a Christmas movie. We could always use more love in this world, and Christmas gives us the perfect excuse to both search for and express that love. And this is a nice, succinct piece of writing that really puts that thought out there beautifully. Number four. The Polar Express, screenplay by Robert Zemeckis and William Broyles Jr. But sometimes seeing is believing. Sometimes, the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. Now, technically, neither Zemeckis nor Broyles came up with this line. The Polar Express film is based on the book of the same name by Chris von Ellsberg. And this line is verbatim from the book. But part of a screenwriter's job when adapting another piece of material is deciding what to include and what to leave out. It was absolutely the correct decision to include this in the movie, as this quote is surprisingly deep for a children's Christmas movie. You are probably imagining dozens of things that you can't see, but you still believe in. Number three. It's a Wonderful Life. Screenplay by Francis Goodrich, Albert Hackett, and Frank Capra. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? This is another adaptation, this time of the short story The Greatest Gift by Philip Van Dorenstern. I don't believe this line was in the original story, though. This line boils down the entire movie's premise into 23 words. In a movie showing us how important one man's life is to this town, this line tells us what the movie is really saying, that every life is important, including yours. Even if you don't see the value in yourself, you should know the world would be a poorer place without you in it. Number two. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Screenplay by Jerry Jewell. Life is made up of meetings and partings. That is the way of it. I am sure we shall never forget Tiny Tim or this first parting that there was among us. I thought this was supposed to be a comedy podcast. You're bumming me out, man. Come on now, we can get a little serious once in a while, but you know what? When I hear you back-to-back, you don't really sound much like Kermit the Frog at all. Does that mean you'll stop calling me the listener that sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog and just call me Carl? Nah, of course not. Anyway, this is yet another adaptation, and I thought, sure, this was a direct quote from Dickens, but I looked it up, and this line isn't in the book. Well, the part about not forgetting Tiny Tim is, but the beginning, life is made up of meetings and partings. That is the way of it. 
that was written by Jewel just for this. It's kind of a deep thing to hear from a hand wrapped in green felt with two ping pong balls glued to it. Wait, what? Oh, uh, nothing. Let's move on to our... Honorable Mentions! Miracle on 34th Street. Story by Valentine Davies and screenplay by George Seaton. Oh, Christmas isn't just a day. It's a frame of mind. I had to include this quote. First, because that line is practically the unofficial mission statement of this podcast, but also Valentine Davies is such a revered writer that the Writers Guild of America West gives out an award that bears his name every year, and they give it to a writer whose contributions to the entertainment industry and the community at large have brought dignity and honor to writers everywhere. Number one. Scrooged. Screenplay by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue. It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer, we, we, we smile a little easier, we, 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 we cheer a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. I talked about this in our Scrooged episode a few years back, but I love the ending speech to Scrooged. I love the way Bill Murray performs it, and I love the way it distills the experience the Frank Cross character went through into something Frank is desperately trying to share with the world. And this line especially hits me in the feels, because I think we all look at ourselves sometimes and think we haven't measured up to our own expectations for how we treat our fellow humans on this planet. But something about Christmas can unlock the potential for goodness and mercy and kindness that lives within us all. Wow, you are going really deep with this. But that's the point. Good writing can sit with you and stir up thoughts and emotions long after the flickering images on the screen have faded. We owe a lot to the writers out there, and I hope the studios will see it's in their best interest to treat them fairly. And that's my list. What other movie quotes have stuck with you or struck a chord in your heart? Let me know at christmas at tancast.com. And now a word from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. I know you. You're tired of the same old joy of human compassion, overflowing generosity, and quaint, totally anxiety-free coziness of the holidays. You need Christmas to get a little bit weird. I'm Craig Kringle, and I've got you covered. On the Weird Christmas Podcast, I talk to a never-ending garland of writers, historians, filmmakers, and rampant weirdos who do their best to make sure we don't forget just how beautifully odd this holiday can be. We cover everything from Krampus to Christmas werewolves, the real winter elves like the Scandinavian Tomten and Nissa, to Iceland's 13 Yule Lads. And every year we share a good old traditional Christmas ghost story to keep things festive. I also host an annual flash fiction contest so we don't have to read Dickens again. So if you're a real traditionalist who wants Christmas to get back to its roots of creepy monsters, acknowledging the frozen, lifeless heart of winter and eating animal heads, come over to the Weird Christmas Podcast. Or check out weirdchristmas.com and all the surreal vintage postcards I share on social media. So Merry Christmas, and here's hoping Krampus doesn't whip you off to hell. Speaking of Weird Christmas, sometimes this show likes to delve into some of the lesser-known aspects of Christmas lore. And today is one of those days. You see, in the absence of my normal late-night talk shows that I watch, I've been re-watching a lot of older panel shows from the UK. And recently, I watched an old Christmas episode of QI and came across this random Christmas nugget. Who are spoon licker, doorway sniffer, sausage swiper, and meat hook? Yes, Josh! Is it the nativity people? Yes, those are all the people who turned up to meet Jesus. (laughs) 
watch you. Yeah. When I when I said it, I thought I've, I'm right. <laughs> now I've never felt so stupid. Yeah. In my life. It turns out those odd names belong to four of the thirteen Yule lads. Now I know the Yule lads sounds like a Christmas themed acapella group, but it's actually a group of thirteen brothers who kind of, sort of, do Santa's job in the country of Iceland. But instead of visiting the house on Christmas Eve, each brother takes one night for each of the 13 nights leading up to Christmas. Also, instead of coming down the chimney, they just break in through the window. And instead of leaving presents in a stocking you hang on the fireplace, they leave one present a night in a shoe you leave on the windowsill. So at least they kept it footwear-related. Now, this is, of course, only for the good, well-behaved children. The naughty kids, instead of getting coal, they get a rotten potato. Basically, the Yule Lad sounds like someone trying to tell the story of Santa, but they don't really remember it, so they're getting all the details way wrong. But the origins of these Yule Lads is much darker than you might expect. It all stems from their mother, Grilla. She's like the anti-Santa Claus, or the anti-Claus, if you will. I won't! She would come out of the Iceland lava pits and kidnap naughty children and take them back to her cave and make them into stew for her and her husband, Le Pelodi, to devour. That rotten potato isn't sounding so bad anymore. Oh, it's not over. Then there's her pet, the Yule Cat or Christmas Cat. That doesn't sound so bad. The cat roams the streets on Christmas Eve looking for anyone who doesn't have some sort of new clothing on. If the cat finds you wearing nothing but old clothes, your best case scenario is the cat ransacks your house and eats your Christmas dinner. What's the worst case scenario? The cat eats you. All this for a lack of new clothes? Are we sure this is a real monster cat and not a bunch of fashion designers in a giant cat suit trying to scare up some more clothing sales every Christmas? Apparently, the Yule Lads themselves used to be a bit more frightening. So much so that the Icelandic government had to get involved. In 1746, parents were officially banned from telling their children scary stories about the Yule Lads. The lads must not have been able to cope with the lack of publicity because they changed their ways from scary shenanigans to more mischievous pranks. But we've been talking about them for a while. Let's actually meet the 13 Yule Lads. We'll do it in the order they arrive. On December 12th, we have Sheepcoat Claude. <laughs> okay, say his real name. No, that is his real name. Well, it's the English translation of his real name. I can try and say it in the original Icelandic, but you and I both know how that will turn out. Yeah, tons of outtakes at the end of the show. Exactly, and there's 13 of these guys. Yikes. Today's episode would be 90% outtakes. Okay, stick with the English versions. So what's Sheepcoat Claude's deal? Well, he has really stiff knees. It's almost like they're made of wood. He goes creaking around the barn, harassing the sheep. Say what now? He's trying to get their milk, but he can't because of his stiff knees. Sheep milk? Do they not have cows in Iceland? They do indeed. Which brings us to the next night and the next Yule lad, Gully Gok. He sneaks into your cow shed to steal the foam from buckets of cow milk. Then there's Stubby. As his name suggests, he's short. And he's not after milk, though. He's here to steal your pans and eat any crust left on them. Next up, it's Spoon Liquor. Come on now, that has to be a name you made up. Nope, 100% genuine Yule Lad. And you'll never guess what he does. Does he lick spoons? You're amazing at this! I didn't know you were such an Iceland expert. I should point out that Spoon Liquor is incredibly thin due to malnourishment. Let that be a lesson, kids. You cannot subsist solely on the residue you manage to lick off a wooden spoon. Next, we have Pot Scraper. He steals unwashed pots and licks them clean. Now, look, I feel this is a Yule Lad half-full situation. If Pot Scraper gets all the unused food off my pots, he's kind of helping me do the dishes. Kind of sounds like a win-win to me. Moving on to the next night, and who shows up? Bowl Licker. 
Not only is that my nickname every time we make cake or cookies, it's also the Yule Lad who hides under beds, waiting for someone to put down their wooden bowls or askur, and stealing the bowls to lick the food off. But I hope you got a good night's rest on December 17th while bowl liquor was under your bed, because December 18th, Door Slammer is coming to town. He stomps around and slams doors, keeping everybody awake. So basically, he's like my upstairs neighbors back in college. I don't think they knew that you could close a door without slamming it. Next night, say goodbye to your yogurt, because Skrr Gobbler is on the prowl. Skrr is a type of Icelandic yogurt, and he gobbles it. Though I've never really associated gobbling with yogurt. Gobbling, to me, implied a more solid food. Am I the only one? You're the only one who thinks the word choice of gobbler is the oddest thing about a yogurt-eating Christmas troll who breaks into your house on December 19th. Fair enough. Then there's Sausage Swiper. He smears pudding on the wall in the shape of an Icelandic waterfowl. He does? No, of course not. He does exactly what it says on the tin. He hides in your rafters and steals your sausages while they're being smoked. Then there's Window Peeper. Uh, I'm uncomfortable? I mean, you're not wrong, but just not for the reasons you think. He's not peeping at you. He's looking for things to steal. Yeah, somehow I'm not comforted by that. Well, if you think he's creepy, wait a night for Door Sniffer. He's got a big ol' schnoz, and he uses it on your doors to find your leaf bread. Then there's Meat Hook. Okay, that is clearly either something you made up or a villain from a low-budget horror movie. Nope, he's a Yule Lad, and his meat hook isn't used for harming anyone. He would use his hook to abscond with meat being hung by the fire. The hook would go down the chimney, grab the meat, and pull it up. He would especially target lamb. Finally, on December 23rd, Candle Beggar arrives. Since the yogurt, milk, sausages, leaf bread, and meat are gone, and the pots, pans, and bowls and spoons are all licked clean, Candle Beggar comes to eat your candles. Of course he does, because why start making sense now? My brain switched off seven Yule Lads ago. And those are the Yule Lads, a very interesting group of Christmas folk. And while 13 Nights of Presents sounds cool, I don't know if it's worth losing nearly two weeks of groceries to get them. Now, it's no coincidence that I played an ad for Weird Christmas right before the segment. As Craig mentioned in the ad, he already did an episode on the Yule Lads. And, as is my rule when I do an episode on a topic that another Christmas podcast has already done before, I waited until I finished writing my script to listen to his episode. But now that I've listened, I can tell you Weird Christmas has way more info on the Yule Lads. So, I guess what I'm saying is, if you'd like to learn more about the Yule Lads, check out your local Weird Christmas podcast, a.k.a. the link in the show notes. And now it's time to get the results from the latest round of Merry Music Madness. All year long, we're doing a bracket-style elimination competition to find out who is the ultimate Christmas singer or singing group, as voted by you. Last time was part two of round one. You voted for your favorite Christmas music makers. Now let's see how our merry musicians did. Ella Fitzgerald killed the killers! 92.5% to 7.5%. Mannheim Steamroller steamrolled over Chuck Berry! 81.7% to 18.3%. Run DMC couldn't run fast enough to catch up with Elton John, who won 73.1% to 26.9%. Eartha Kitt bested John Lennon and Yoko Ono 71% to 29%. 
And in what I think has to be a stunning upset, Tony Bennett shut down Wham! 66.7% to 33.3%. And in the Battle of the Johns, Johnny Mathis came out on top of John Denver, 65.6% to 34.4%. And Dolly Parton squashed the chances of any Beatle making it to the next round by defeating Paul McCartney, 63.4% to 36.6%. And the most tightly contested matchup in this particular round was the Muppets versus the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. The Muppets pulled out the victory 55.9% to 44.1%. So we'll see all those folks in round two, but we're only halfway done with round one. Here's who you'll be voting on in part three of round one. Kelly Clarkson versus Sia. The Pogues versus Bruce Springsteen. The Ramones versus Pentatonics. The Ronettes versus The Drifters. The Carpenters versus The Chipmunks. Perry Como versus Louis Armstrong. Darlene Love versus Wizard. And Elmo and Patsy versus Andy Williams. And that's it. The polls will be open until June 24th. You can find the link at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com or on our Twitter or on our Facebook. It's totally anonymous. You don't have to provide any personal information. You just have to vote with your whole Christmas heart on which one should go to the next round. So get out there and vote and join us next time to see if your favorites will be moving into the next round of Merry Music Madness. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Also, even though I haven't done the Santa Babs mailbag segment in a while, I do want to thank all of you who've emailed, messaged, or commented. We will be doing our annual listener appreciation anniversary special in July, so keep that feedback coming. But before July is our June episode where we celebrate the halfway point to Christmas. So get to the website and vote for your favorite Christmas musicians and join us back here on Leon Day. In the meantime, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2023. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, Can't Wait for Christmas pod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. 
Merry Christmas. And this is a nice piece of, and this is a nice succinct, and this is a nice succinct, succinct, succinct. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Succinct, succinct. It, is it succinct or succinct? The, these are the things one might have looked up one before one started recording. But until I said it out loud, I didn't realize I didn't know how to pronounce that word. Like some of the words later in this episode, I know I don't know how to pronounce and we're just going to do the best we can. But I thought I knew how to pronounce succinct, succinctly, succinctly, succinct. I'm going with succinct. If you know that it's pronounced differently, write in and tell me. And then I'll cry. Polar Express film is based on the book of the same name. Same name. I what name is that book called? It's got the same name. Oh, bother. (laughs) I don't know what that was. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Screen Bay. Screen Bay. That's my Screen Bay. He's my Bay on screen, but then off screen, he's not my Bay, I guess. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Screen Pay. Screen Pay. First it was a screen bay, now it's a screen pay? When can I get the screen correct thing to say? Miracle on 34th Street, story by Valentine. Valentine. It's not Valentine. I thought it was Valentine, but I looked it up. See, I looked this one up. <laughs> I still messed it up, though, but I looked it up before I messed it up. So that's progress. It all stems from their mother, Grela. Grela. Aha. Uh-huh. Or is it Grela? I would say Grela. See? I told you there was one I didn't know, and it's this one. Even though I've written it phonetically. Phonetically. I don't even think I'm saying that word right. But I've written it in such a way that I'm not sure. Like, I didn't. I don't know how actual the, the, the word, how you write out things phonetically. I don't know how they actually work, so I just try to do the best I can. And I've written it in such a way that it has now confused me if the G-R-E, if the G-R-Y is supposed to be pronounced Gree or Gre. I'm going to say Gree. Say goodbye to your yogurt, because Skier Gobbler is Skier, Skier, Skier Gobbler, Skier, 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 Skier. I looked this one up, too. I, I can't tell how I've written it down. I think it's Skier. I think I remember being Skier. I'm going to say it twice, quickly as possible. We're going to move on and hope for the best. And as is my rule when I do an episode on a topic that another Chris... And as is my rule when I do an episode on a topic... Also, even though I haven't done the Santa's Babs Mailbab segment in a while... Mailbab? It's a male bab. I mean, technically, I am a male bab. <laughs>